We are New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. A community church in the city of Chicago, all over the city, for the good of the city. Right now, we are in the middle of our series, Philippians. A study through this letter and its powerful application to our lives and becoming more like Christ. Wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message. So, there was this monk. Everybody say that word. Monk. 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 Yep, getting you started already, okay? Repeat after me. Uh, there was this monk, like the old-fashioned kind prying your heads. Believe me, they actually still exist. Where they wear like brown robes, little bald patch on the head, go out in the middle of nowhere, do things that, I don't know, sit in silence for decades, that kind of thing, okay? So there was this monk, okay? And he thought, you know, I need to take my faith to a deeper level. So he's like gonna go out to this monastery in the middle of the desert, live with a bunch of other people like-minded, and he's gonna take it a step further though. He says, I'm gonna take a vow of silence, a vow of silence, for 10, 10 years, okay? This is what he's gonna do. 10 years without saying a single word. How many of you think you could do that? How many of you think you could go a single day without saying a word, okay? This guy, he he goes out there and even the guy that's overlooking him is like, oh wow, this guy is like going to the next level. So he goes out there, he does it. 10 years without a single word and at the end of the 10 years like his his boss his superior the guy that's like overlooking him is so excited to hear what god has taught him right so he calls in the monk and the monk's standing there like this and he just says this food bad and the his superior like what that's what you're gonna say after 10 years okay we'll work on the recipes okay uh and so then this monk again says he he decides he's gonna take 10 more years of silence another 10-year vow of silence everybody's like this dude's nuts so 10 years later comes in again to his superior his boss and the boss is like okay what did god teach you now what has god taught you and the monk says there and he says bed hard <laughs> the boss like get out of here what is wrong with you god's not even teaching you nothing <laughs> okay and the guy does it for 10 more years 30 years total okay 30 years of silence he brings him back in and he's like please tell me something god has taught you that is like positive something on the uplifting okay and the monk says i quit the boss is like you know what just get out of here okay because you've done nothing but complain since you got here (laughs) this morning you're jumping jumping onto new life community church in rogers park we're so glad that you are here with us and you're catching us right in the middle someone say right in the middle right in the middle middle. you are right in the middle of this new series with us who knows what it's called come on come on come on philippians philippians 
or as some of you like to call it, Philippians, okay? I prefer Philippians, because then you get a little bit of pie in the middle. Nothing better than a little bit of pie in the middle of everything, right? So, that's what I love about it, but I know that's kind of random, but it's not random that you are here this morning. Ooh, see what I just did? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I believe God has you here on purpose. No, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. I'm not just saying that, okay? I really believe it. I know that you could have been a ton of other places this morning. You could have been in your bed. You could have been at a, in a room in your house without a screen. You could have been in the shower or in your bed. There's nowhere you could have gone, Ben. <laughs> you couldn't have gone anywhere. It's a pandemic, okay? I know there's nowhere you could be, but right here, you're like, there's nothing better to do but sit and laugh at Pastor G, okay? No, I know that this is going on, but I still don't believe it's an accident that you are here this morning. I believe, I believe that God is in control of all the things that we are not. I believe he orchestrates them. I believe there was a lot of people this morning that wanted to tune into their church service, but were unable to. Something came up, emergency, they didn't wake up in time, the alarm went off, you know, technology, that kind of stuff. I believe that God is in control of that and God knows why he has you right here right now. He knows what's going on in your head. He knows the struggles it was to get here this morning. The things that are, that are, it's hard for you to focus right now. You're like, I'm focused now, Pastor Jesus. I'm the, God knows all the stuff that's happening up here in your life, around you, that could have prevented you from being here, but he allowed you to be here this morning. He has you here. Think about that. Think about that. It's not an accident. We, we, we. We live like we're in complete control, but there is so many things that could keep you from being here this morning. And I believe that God has you here for a reason. And on top of that, I'll let you know that people have been praying for you. Praying for you. I'm, I'm not just making that up. Literally, people this week have been praying that you would show up and that God would speak to you. That's how seriously we take this. We don't just go forward and put something in so you can check off the box. We believe that God wants to meet you here this morning and that God wants to do something in your life. Can I get an amen? Yes, yes, yes. You see, we've had some powerful messages and music in our services over the last couple weeks when it comes to Philippians, or Philippians, you know. And I believe that today is going to be a continuation up that mountain. I believe that God, just as he has done the last few weeks and brought something fresh, I believe that God's going to bring something fresh for you this morning. Okay? Okay. Okay. I got you now. I got you. This morning, we're looking at a section of this book that is going to knock the socks right off your feet, even if you're not even wearing socks, okay? That's how powerful this book is, okay? They're going to fly out of nowhere. It's going to just appear. This, this book has the power to do what my words alone cannot, okay? This word has the power to change your life. This, this book can literally redirect you. You see, just like that monk who spent his whole life complaining, you know, all six words, complaining. I think God wants to speak to us this morning about the way. Someone say the way. The way, the way that we interact with the world around us. The way that God would have us to be 
and how God would have us to interact with the world. So, yes, 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 come with me. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2. And if you have a Bible, go ahead and pick it up, dust it off. Go ahead and go to chapter 2. If you have a digital copy, I want you to look at this with me. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Not only so you can see what I'm talking about right here, but also because I believe that you will then see how, how, how you can read the Bible for yourself. You don't have to wait till Sunday morning with Pastor G to be able to read into the Bible. God wants nothing more than to get you into this book on a regular, okay? He wants you to be in here on the regular because these are the words of life. Okay? This is reality. This is truth. These are things. It helps us to see things the way they are and even to recognize what God is doing in our life. I'm talking about reality, making sense out of everything. That's what we're going to do right here, right now. For, so we've been going through the whole thing called, this whole thing called Philippians, okay? From Philippi. Oh, look, at there's a little pie on the end. That's nice. Section of the Bible is actually a letter, okay? A letter. There's lots of different sections in here. This one's a letter, like the old-fashioned, write on a piece of paper, put it in the mailbox, send it over, okay? This is a letter written, written to the church in Philippi, okay? Remember this? We talked about this. If you've been here before, you know what I'm saying, okay? Now, the, on the writing end of this letter is Crazy Paul, okay? Crazy Paul wrote this to them. But he wasn't writing it from any normal place, okay? Paul is sitting in a jail cell, awaiting his death sentence, chained to a guard, literally not knowing when he might die. Okay, that's true of all of us, but for him, it was a little bit more tangible, okay? He didn't know when he was going to die, and he's sitting there and using his, the rest of his time he has left to write letters to the churches that he loves the most. Man, I don't know how much better of a letter we could be on the receiving end. It sounds like epic news, okay? So I wanted to start off where we left off last week in chapter 2 at verse 12. And if you're looking ahead, you're peeking over my shoulder, you can already tell what's about to happen. We're about to start reading. Read the first word and we're not going to get any further because it says, Therefore, stop, stop, stop. Put this off, put this off, put this off. Therefore. Okay, now, if this is your first time tuning in, you have no idea what's happening, that's okay, you get a pass. But for all of you who have short-term memory and don't know what I'm talking about, I've said this probably a hundred times, okay? Therefore, is this word in the Bible that is such a key word to understand, and Paul likes to use it a lot, okay? The word therefore is the kind of word that tells us this. It tells us that whatever happened right here at the beginning of this word, like however far back, has everything to do with what is about to be said here. Okay, you get that? Like, therefore, everything that I just said, because of all that, this. Okay, understand? That's what we're talking about this morning. So, therefore, we have to ask, what is it there for? Okay, now, if you had a little backwards cap where you could, you know, reverse and go back and listen that last week right immediately pause it whatever you would hear Brennan speaking powerfully on the beginning 
of this chapter, chapter 2. He talked about verses, I think it was 1 through 11. It was powerful. And that's what the therefore is referring back to. So we want to know what's happening. And so you don't have to go back and listen to that whole thing again, even though I would highly recommend it. If you missed it, I'm going to give you my quick little summary. Paul got done just telling us about the most humble, the most obedient, the most servant-hearted person ever to live. And no, I'm not talking about Corey Chan, okay? I'm actually talking about the one, the only, Jesus. Can somebody say Jesus? Jesus. Jesus, yes. Paul literally just got done saying, in everything you do, and as you try to live, as you try to live in humility, as you try to live in obedience, as you try to love people, look to Jesus. No better place to look. This is the guy that had everything but gave it all up for you and me. This is that. This is the guy that not only did he give everything up, but he's also serving us. And he helped us by taking care of that whole sin thing we got going on. He went obediently to the cross and died in our place so that we might be reconciled to God. That's the gospel this morning. That's, that's literally what the therefore refers back to. But here's the thing. This passage has its own little therefore, okay? If you look ahead at verse 9, therefore, this, this happened, comes before we even get to ours. This is verse 9, therefore, okay? We got into verse 12, therefore. I told you Paul loves these words, okay? After he just got done saying, you know, Jesus is the most humble servant. He died on the cross for you, blah, 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 blah. Therefore, because of that, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Woo-hoo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're the man. Then we get to our verse. So literally, Paul just got done telling us all about Jesus, how great he was, how everything he gave for us, how he's reconciled us to God, and how God has raised him to the highest place above everything that we can even understand. Because of this, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. My friends, because of everything that Jesus has done, everything that Jesus has accomplished, everything that has been given to Jesus, because of this, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And when you hear that, you're like, yes! Pastor, I feel those words. God is speaking to me. And I'm glad we're actually moving into a new verse because you've been talking for a half hour and we haven't even gotten to the verse yet. And as you sit on that statement for a second, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We start to feel a little bit of a complex. Okay? Wait a second. I'm pretty sure, Paul, that those things don't go together. Work out your salvation. Work salvation. Those words, bro, Paul, I'm sorry, it's a little embarrassing, but you literally have said that that's not how salvation works. Like, I know, just take a look at this verse. Ephesians chapter 2. You wrote this, Paul. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. Okay? You've been saved, not by works. Saved, not by works. Saved, not by works. Okay, but then you look at our verse and it says, 
continue to work out your salvation. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit of a confusing one, and I, I don't even know. Paul, are you just getting like something mixed up? Uh, and this is where Paul would immediately jump in and he'd be like, hey, I meant what I wrote. <laughs> okay, I can, I can guarantee you that's what Paul would say to you, okay? I meant what I wrote. And we're like, <laughs> wait a second, Paul, this, this isn't a small issue. This is like actually the root of our faith, okay? We're saved by God's gift to us, grace, you know, and not by works, okay? It totally reminds me of this Moody trip I was on, okay? When I was at Moody Bible Institute, I was part of this choir. We go around, sing songs, share the gospel in prisons, churches, all that kind of thing. And there was this key moment in the concert we'd put on where every person in the choir would share a verse out loud, okay? The only problem with that is that would have to mean that every person in the choir actually had their verse memorized, okay? The choir director would not let us read it, okay? He was like serious about it. You had to have it memorized. Great ideal problem. <laughs> People don't remember their verses, okay? Especially this guy who had the key verse, okay? The key verse that went something along this. I can't remember which verse it was, but it was something along this. I think it might have been in Romans or something, but it was like, the gospel of Jesus saves us, tells us that we are saved by grace and not by works, okay? Well, on this one concert, it was one of our biggest ones, probably like hundreds of people, maybe more, like in this big, huge place. And we're singing, they're clapping. We get to the gospel part, we're going through it. And then it gets to this guy's key role. He's like in the center and he's like, you shall know that you are not saved by Jesus's grace, but by works alone. <laughs> and literally we're all like, Right. The choir director like had a heart attack, okay, because he saw the spirit of the Pharisee being channeled through this kid. He literally stops the whole concert. Literally stops. He's like, he does this. No, 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 no. Like, and we're all like, oh gosh. Like, <laughs> and he turns around and he repeats the verse word for word in this dead silence. Okay, the kid in the center was like, his moment of glory is like now his complete shame. Okay, and believe me, he never lived that down. But that's that's how important this is. This topic. I tell you this to let you know it's so important that we would have to stop the concert, okay? That's how important this topic is. And before we write off Paul and say, Bible is full of contradictions or Paul is done, let me tell you something important about this verse that really plays in to what we're having going on here. Two words, obeyed, nope, back, <laughs> obeyed. <laughs> Everyone give a round of applause if we're actually doing great. <laughs> Obeyed or out? <laughs> Obeyed or out? Both of those words will help us understand what's happening here. Those words are the key about what Paul's talking about. Paul says, as you have always obeyed, not only my presence, but now much more my absence, continue to work out your salvation. So let me give you a little Pastor G breakdown. Two things, two things, not three things, two things, okay? Two things that happen when you come to Jesus, when you give him the controls of what you call your life. Number one, you are saved by grace alone through faith. That's number one. Number two, you start to live differently. You start to live differently. Catch this, you're saved 
Salvation, eternity, reconciled, redeemed, all through God's grace, okay? That's number one. And a separate thing happens after that. It's, it flows out of the first one. It can't happen without the first one, right? It flows out of it. From your salvation by grace comes daily living, walking in holiness, obedience, godliness, okay? And that's what Paul is talking about in this verse. The problem that happens a lot of times is that we squish the two together, okay? We, we think that both of them are the same thing, and, and they're not, okay? Number one has nothing to do with your work. Number two has a lot to do with your work, okay? Hear me out. Throughout the entire scriptures, God doesn't ever back away from your personal responsibility to get rid of sin in your life, to walk like Jesus, to be holy. That's definitely a word we don't like to hear. I know, you're just like, shut this off, okay? That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying it's so important that as you look back at how Christ lived, remember the therefore? As you look back at how Christ lived, you also should work on aligning your life in that way. Not, not, this is the important part, not in order to be saved, but because of your salvation. Notice what the verse does not say. Pull that Pull up that last verse real quick, verse 12. It doesn't say, continue to work for your salvation. That would be a problem, okay? What does it say? It says, continue to work out, work out, working out, that thing that you hate to do, but you promise yourself every New Year's you'll do it, and you only go two days, kind of like this guy, okay? Oh, you're looking pretty ripped, bro, huh? I approve this message. Uh, also, maybe a little bit like this guy, okay? Who also happens to work out quite a lot, okay? <laughs> this might be your ideal person, okay? Jesus is our image of who we look to to work out, and bro, you are ripped, okay? We're not even gonna look at him anymore. You know, <laughs> working out, working out, it's that thing that when you're doing it, which I know, I know we're not doing it, but you know, in the dreamland when we do it when we work out at least you know every day or multiple times a week you set a time you set aside time in order to purposely work on your muscles your body to make it stronger and this is something that you can't see the results right away but after a couple months you walk in by your friend like dang you work out okay all right and that, my friends, is what Paul is talking about here, okay? He's saying, you know that whole problem you got in your life with lying? Where you don't even really know why you lie. I mean, come on, it's like the small stuff even. I I'm talking about, you're like, yeah, I got this toothbrush on sale for $1.99, even though it was on sale for $2.99, okay? I don't know why you're lying, but you think that you can just sit back in that sin in your life, even that small sin, that is just gonna go away that's what you think or you know the whole problem you have a jealousy like where you're scrolling through the endless social media scroll right and you're liking everything i love that food i love that haircut i love that scenic shot of a tree and then boom, new relationship post <laughs> and you're feeling those feelings that come up you know every time and you're like i don't have someone you know what? I'm not gonna like their post. Ha <laughs> ha! Okay, you 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 just scroll by purposefully not liking that post, right? And do you think that this problem of jealousy 
is just going to go away. It's just going to, this discontentment is just going to disappear one day. Or you can just get mad. So you get so mad every time you think of that certain person. I, you know who I'm talking about. Okay. Right now that person's coming to your mind and he's the kind of person or she's the kind of person who always eats the last piece of candy. Okay. Like you're going. You're going for the last piece. You see it, but they have a sixth sense and they make it there first. And you're like, ah. right? And you're just like, ah. like that person, okay? It's sitting in your mind and you're like, and then they leave the crumbs and the trash all over the counter too. You got to clean it up, right? Like that's the kind of person you get so mad, so mad that you can't even focus. You're so mad. Do you think that your anger it's just going to go away. Just going to go away. Paul is yelling at you this morning. Look at Jesus. Be obedient like he was. Work out your obedience. So you start to look like him. So you start to look like Rip Jesus, okay? But in the spiritual realm, all right? So, okay. So Jesus spent time daily with the Father. Got it. Spend some time talking with God every day. Okay, okay. So Jesus fasted and read a lot of scriptures. Seems like he even had some of those memorized. Got it. Okay, okay. So Jesus served others and always put other people first. Got it. Okay, okay. So Jesus slowed down and didn't cram every minute of his schedule. He was okay with being in the moment with somebody. And he saw people not as obstacles, but as God's image. Got it. And that's all some powerful stuff that God wants you to get this work out in your life. That's, I'm doing like some sort of workout right here, okay? I don't know what I'm doing, but it looks like I'm working out, all right? Maybe like push-ups, like he wants you to work out in your life, okay? Now you're getting it, okay. Uh, these are all some really doable things, practical things that you can control, okay? And Paul is saying, work that out. Work that out, start doing that. Let that filter into your anger, your lying, your jealousy, your fear. That's point number one that I got for you. Work, work, work. Ooh, I love it. Work, work, work. Here's the thing. Just like working out at the gym, you have those days where you fail. Maybe outside circumstances, you wake up the sniffles and you're like, I got COVID, I cannot go to the gym, okay? Uh, or, you know, you're on the way and that Chicago dog and fries is so tempting that you turn right into Portillo's instead of left into Planet Fitness, okay? That's exactly how we do as we work out our salvation. We have bad days, days where we fail, but Paul is challenging us, don't give up. Keep working on your obedience. But Pastor Jay, you don't understand. I've been struggling for so long. This sin's got a hold on me. I don't think I can do anything about it. Wait a second. Wait a second. Because this verse isn't stopping. The train's still moving. Look at this. Look at the end of Philippians. Uh, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Here's the vital truth, the mystery of working out, okay? Work, work, work. Grace, grace, grace. Okay, like literally connected. Work, grace. Every time you work, there's grace. Every time there's grace, you work. 
Okay, this is the mysterious connection between the two, and that's what's happening in that verse. He's like, you work that out, but it's God's work grace that's working in you to make you work out, and as you're working out, God's grace comes in, and his grace comes in and makes you work the more. It's like this crazy mystery. It's this cycle of God working in your life to allow you to work. <laughs> I don't understand it, but God is working in you by his grace to strengthen and allow you to actually work. Okay, this doesn't in any way cause you to stop taking responsibility. No, 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 don't. You don't just sit back, right? God literally is asking you to work. That's literally what we just spent the last seven hours talking about, okay? As you work, God's grace, a supernatural gift, will empower you to actually change and walk in obedience, okay? Here's another verse for you before we move on out of necessity. This week I heard a pastor speak on this verse and he mentioned this powerful connection to another verse that Paul wrote paralleling his own, his own experience with this concept. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. It says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. You thought Paul had some sort of complex and he's writing different things. No, he knew what he was saying. Let's keep going. We got to keep going, okay? You just sit on that. We're going to just keep going, moving. So Paul is about to lay down what he considers to be the most important thing for these guys to work on their obedience. The most important thing. Okay, Paul, let's have it. What does working out to obedience look like? Okay, what do I need to work out in my life? Huh? What do I need to get obedient in my life? Do I need to get rid of my porn habit? Quit cheating on my spouse? Give money to the church? Stop getting in fights? Stop secretly eating the chips when everyone's gone to bed? Uh, no, no, no. This is what he's got. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Huh? Say again. This is unexpected, okay? For all of you who are staring on the screen and you're completely confused by this word, you're like, grumbling? What is that? Is that like a monster? Okay, don't be a grumble. Here's a helpful translation. Complaining, okay? Paul goes right for the gut, okay? Well, the unexpected gut. You know, the foundation that's rotting out from under you, the thing you gotta work out into obedience Y'all complain too much. That's what he's saying. That's the Pastor G translation, okay? Complaining is kind of the sensitive spot for us Christians. We're like, it's like that one sin we're completely comfortable with. And yes, I just called it a sin, and it's not me. Paul does, and the, the Bible, and God, okay? So we're completely fine with going off to anyone who will listen on why everything is wrong with the world, everything is wrong with our life, and everything is wrong with this sandwich that I'm about to eat, okay? Pastor G, you see, I don't really complain that much, okay? It's definitely not one of my problems. <laughs> really, why don't you go and ask someone outside your own brain that question? You might get a different response <laughs> and a different answer. Page Engineer Woods, just today, just today, have you complained yet that this service is too long? Okay, <laughs> you're like, oh, snap. <laughs> okay, that your internet's too spotty. Okay, it's, it's like the wheel of death as you're trying to load this. That it's annoying that we can't just meet in person. Or that that person next to you keeps farting and he doesn't stop. 
okay? <laughs> we get creative. We definitely do. We have a special skill that allows us to pretty much complain about everything. Okay, look at these complaints that I found. This is this is awesome. One unhappy parent was very disappointed after being charged for a teenage daughter's meal, and she writes this as a complaint. The restaurant said children eat free, but my 19-year-old daughter still got charged for her meal. <laughs> How about this one? We booked a day out to a water park, but no one told us we had to bring our swimsuit. We assumed it would be included in the price. <laughs> How about this one? We booked what was called a skiing holiday. We weren't informed that we would actually have to be able to ski. I want a refund. <laughs> I love this one. One customer was extremely disappointed that he was not properly informed before getting into a hot air balloon. There was no sign, this is what he writes, there was no sign telling you that you shouldn't get in a hot air balloon if you're afraid of heights. How about this one? This one. The water in the Gulf of Mexico was too salty. No one told me there was going to be salt in the water. It was gross. <laughs> this it gets better. One tourist was disappointed after a trip to the zoo by writing, "The animals at the zoo look very sad, and it made our children cry." <laughs> no, wait. A minute. Can't they train them to smile? How <laughs> this? My vacation to Spain was ruined by too many Spanish people. They should go somewhere else for their holidays. I demand a full refund. <laughs> oh, this one, here we go. Another was appalled at a seat mix-up on the plane complaining, I booked the window seat for myself and the middle seat for my wife, but the tickets put us in the opposite ones. What? <laughs> I mean, this is just how it goes. I mean, there was a bunch of other like random complaints. I mean, I have like so many and I just love like some of these like Jemima spends too much time caring for stray cats around the building. This was a complaint like HR got. <laughs> or this one, Jess is just too attractive. It's distracting. <laughs> you can Google this stuff and get lost for hours, okay? I can tell you from experience, okay? These complaints are hilarious. Painfully hilarious, that is, okay? We love to complain as people. And if there's a list of sins and things that you're working out in your life, I'm pretty sure you haven't even considered this one. And you still don't think this is true of the church. Check out some of the complaints I've received about our Sunday services, okay? How about this one? This preacher preaches way too long. And then a few minutes later, another person, Pastor, you never go far enough with your sermons. Okay. How about this one? The music is way too loud. Or this one, the music is too soft. I can't worship. Or why aren't we gathering again? This COVID thing is blown out of proportion. And while another person comes up and says, why are we gathering in the parking lot? It's so unsafe. Or these chairs are too hard. And these chairs are too small. And these chairs are too plasticky. Okay? Oh, we like our chairs. Well, the children's ministry is unnecessary. How can we dive in, don't have more emphasis on the children's ministry? This church talks about sin and money way too much. Can't we just talk about Jesus and the Bible? And then another person, the church doesn't talk about money and sin enough. Or the church is way too political. Or another person, how come the church doesn't talk about politics? Okay? You think I'm joking? think I've made any of these up? <laughs> no, 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 okay? This is what it's like for us, okay? There's no exceptions. But Pastor G, I get it. We shouldn't complain about some stuff, but sometimes, you know, when something's really annoying, you just gotta let it out. Look what Paul said right there. Do everything without grumbling or complaining. Do 
everything. 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 Complaining has definitely become one of our favorite pastimes and one of the things that we are most comfortable with. But here's the truth. It breaks God's heart. It breaks God's heart and it keeps us from being who God has made us to be. Look what I mean. Do everything without grumbling or complaining so that, somebody say, so that. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. God has bigger plans for us than the hole that we get sucked into. Okay? The one that we think we're stuck in. And God's plans have stretched all the way through the Bible. And this whole problem of complaining is not something that's new to our generation. No, Paul's obviously addressing it to the new church. And it obviously applies to us, okay? If you're still confused, I will talk to you later, okay? Uh, and it even goes back to the beginnings. See how that certain part of the verse has quotation marks? Right here, see these quotation marks? Paul is quoting something here from the beginning of the Bible, okay? He's quoting a part from the story of the Jewish people. You see, they were rescued from slavery, brought miraculously through the desert, and then brought into the promised land. And right at the edge of the promised land, Moses gives a speech to the Jewish people, and he says this in Deuteronomy 32, verse 5. It says, they, talking about the Jewish people, are corrupt and not his children. To their shame, they are a warped and crooked generation. There's our, our phrase. They are a warped and crooked generation. Paul is talking to us and saying, do not complain and argue so that you'll not be like all of them, okay? <laughs> you don't want to be like all of them, okay? He seems to connect the idea of complaining or arguing or grumbling with some pretty harsh terms here. Corrupt. Look at this. Not his children. Warped and crooked. Paul's like, don't complain and argue so you don't be like that, okay? And it's way more connected than you think. The Jewish people had this very, very bad habit of grumbling and complaining pretty much about everything. I mean, there's just verse after verse. I mean, I'll just give you a little quick snapshot. It's not on the screen, but I'm just going to go quick through some of these. It says this in Exodus. This is talking about the Jewish people. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled. There's our word. Don't be a grumble. Uh, against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Would that we had died by the Lord's hand. Then we sit by this place with no food. Okay? <laughs> you brought us out to the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. How about this one? Then all the congregation lift up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Here's another section in Numbers. And they assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron. The people thus contended with Moses and spoke, If only we had perished. How about this one? Exodus. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And in Numbers, this is God's response. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who are grumbling against me? I have heard the complaints of the sons of Israel, which they are making, get this, against me. Whew. There's even a story that the rabbis, the Jewish rabbis tell about the crossing of the Red Sea. About these two Jewish slaves that have recently been freed miraculously. They've seen God's power and they're walking through and as they go, squish. They look down at their feet and the mud from the bottom of the sea is squishing up between their toes, getting all over their sandals. And they're like, nasty, 
gross! And they turn to one another and they start complaining about the mud that's squishing up between their feet. Meanwhile, meanwhile, get this, if they were to just look up, if they were to just look up, they would see the miraculous work and blessing of God in their life. What's the opposite of complaining? Contentment. Contentment. Seeing how God is working despite your momentary troubles. I mean, I've heard it said that if we, if, if, if we were to stop complaining, we wouldn't know what to do. Because that's the only way that we handle life. Okay? We wouldn't know what to do. It's the only way that we get around. It's our way of escaping. The Israelites were mirac- miraculously rescued, even though they didn't deserve it. They were preserved through 40 years of camping in the wild. They got to literally be gotten into a place by God who who was a pillar of fire. I mean, how cool is that, right? Like guiding them, okay? Yet all they could see was the mud that was coming up between their toes. So what's your story? God's rescued you from that place that was so painful you couldn't even think about it anymore. God has always provided, even though it doesn't even make sense. You don't even know where that money even came from and poof, it's in your bank account. You have people in your life that you don't even get how they got to be your friends. Like somehow you're deceiving them on some crazy level because you don't get how they were your friends, right? You know what I'm saying? But what do you do? Maybe you sit on the CTA. You spend the whole time complaining about the smell. But you don't notice the beautiful weather. Or you complain about work and your commute every time you pick up your kids from school or eat dinner with them or spend any time with them at all and you forget the gift that you've been given just to spend time with your kids at all. You complain about the food that you don't like very much, isn't healthy enough or is too healthy while you walk by the lady sitting outside with the cup. Every day is a gift from God. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. And something that is near and dear to God's heart is that we recognize that. We recognize that. We trust Him in His plan for our lives. And we're content. Someone say content. Content Content with what He gives us. Here's the crazy part. This doesn't only bless you and how great God created you to be. This is also how God intended us to reach out to the world. Look at what Paul says. Do everything without grumbling or complaining so you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Paul's like, if you even grasp the corner of this, just a little bit, you'll start shining out like a star. Sounds like really Disney, right? <laughs> You're a star, right? Let me tell you, this is, this is the comparison Paul is making, right? The opposite of a star is a black hole, okay? Complaining is a black hole while contentment is a star. And I know someone's on here is gonna comment some sciencey thing like a black hole is a star, Pastor Gale, okay? You know what I'm saying, okay? Complaining is a black hole while contentment is a star. You got to get that. Complaining is what's sucking you into that hole. But when we actually are content with what God gave us, we shine outwards. We spread light in the darkness. 
He says we will shine like stars. Man, let me just close with how Paul closes this section. Don't worry, we're getting close. (laughs) And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ. He just got done saying you'll shine like stars, right? And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul closes this section by wanting to assure himself that it wasn't for nothing. That it wasn't for nothing. He basically says, if you would all stop complaining, I'll know that I didn't waste my time, okay? (laughs) He gets a little sassy in his old age. But here's the best part about Paul. He says, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, I am glad and rejoice. You gotta hear this through some early church ears, okay? Because you don't have any idea what he's saying right now. You see, a drink offering was something that would be poured out, poured out before God. Something valuable, maybe like, wine or perfume or something that was valuable costly and unlike other offerings where you would maybe sacrifice an animal burn it or like burn up some wheat or stuff the priests would take some of that and they would survive on that they would eat that okay but the drink offering it was a little bit different this involved taking some precious liquid and pouring it out and there's no way of saving it. It's gone, right? Like it would soak through, like literally at the temple, it would go through the cracks of the floor and be gone. It would feel almost like a waste. I mean, the other offerings, they were like providing for the priests also, as well as doing the sacrifice. But this was gone completely. No other use than to worship God. Reminds me of a famous story with David. David, the King David. He's sitting up one night and he says, man... If I could just have a a drink from the well at Bethlehem, where I was born, okay? Like, he just was like, I don't know, the water tasted so good in that well, okay? So his friends hear him, and they're like, oh, why are we going to go do that? And even though there was an army encamped in that area, they fought their way in, and while they're somehow holding them off, only three guys, while they're holding off a whole army, one guy, like, gets up a cup full of water and then they're like fighting their way out with the cup without spilling it don't know how and they get over and bring it to king david they're like bro we got you that water yeah this is how much we love you okay what does david do you can see in the picture he pours it out he says there's no way i could drink this i'm giving this as an offering to god Imagine this friends being confused and annoyed, like, what? We just risked our lives, bro. We're just pouring that out. At least give me a drink of this famous water. I'm sure Paul is envisioning that as he writes this. I'm sure he is. And he's even saying that he's willing for his life to be like that, even if it means the Philippians don't even care, right? Even if it means they keep complaining, they don't work out their faith. He's like, it's worth it still, even to be a drink offering for the hope that you will walk further in your faith with God. I trust God. That's beautiful to me about this is Paul is literally exemplifying what he just commanded the Philippians to do, to do everything without complaining, right? To be content, right? Paul's literally in a prison awaiting a possible death sentence, and he says that he's glad for it if it means that his fellow brothers and sisters will walk closer to Jesus.
And even if they don't, even if it's all wasted in vain, he's glad to have been poured out in service of them. Here's the last thing we have to know about how we live and interact with the world. Our lives are not our own. Our lives are not our own. This morning, is God speaking to you? Wanting you to have this mentality, this heart that started with the image of Jesus and worked out to the Philippian church. And then we see Paul himself exemplifying it, right? I love it. It's like in the beginning, you're working out, then you're shining out. And then the last one, you're pouring out, okay? Like all this is how God wants us to interact with the world. And I believe this morning, God is probably speaking to something just to your heart. And he's saying, hey, He's poking something that, that that's not that's not right that's not shining out you, you gotta listen to that you, you, that thing about complaining that's you that thing about not being in obedience that's you that thing about pouring out your life even if it means you don't even see the results and it's just worth it because you're giving it to God that's you And if God's speaking to you this morning, which I truly believe He is, I believe He is talking to you, and it depends on whether you want to listen, I would challenge you to text our church line. Allow one of our pastors to talk with you, to hear what's going on, to pray with you. What is it that you need a breakthrough in your life, that you need God's grace to come on you powerfully? I want to encourage you just to take a minute of reflection. Let's just pause for a moment. Let's just let God speak to us. Lord Jesus, thank you for this moment. Your scriptures, your words speak so powerfully to us. Jesus, I pray for whoever's listening that is is struggling, that is hearing this but doesn't want to, who knows what you're calling them to but doesn't want to go with it. God, I pray that your grace would come upon them in power, that you would cause them to experience a breakthrough like they've never had before. God, do something beyond what my words could do, but your spirit is capable of doing. Thank you, Jesus, for this word this morning. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. You have been listening to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. If you have been blessed by this message, please let us know. Now go and live a new life.